Well, good morning again. Brandon said he was going all country on that song, but I didn't hear anything about a Ford pickup truck or a dead dog or anything like that, so I don't know. Maybe we need to go a little bit further with that next time, Brandon. So, good morning. Uh, my name is John, Pastor John, and uh, it's good to preach to you guys again, bring the word to you guys again uh, for the second time in like a month after having not preached for almost like two years. So, uh, so this is exciting. It's good, and it's good to be back in Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms, and um, we have a, 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 an awesome passage uh, ahead of us. Uh, it's been really challenging to me this week, um, so uh, I, hope, I hope that uh, it'll be challenging to you as well this morning. Uh, like we talked about a couple weeks ago with Hebrew poetry, um, when I um, shared with you last, uh, we talked about poetry in, in the Hebrew culture was done in groups of thoughts or um, things that uh, appeared to be similar, okay, in, in thought and not necessarily like what we do with our songs. We, we uh, rhyme or make words that sound alike and that's kind of how we make our, our songs. This is just a little bit different from a poetry standpoint and we've got um, just awesome three examples in, uh, in this uh, passage, in this psalm, three examples of people or positions or hats, if you will, of, of where we're at, um, of how God wants to be intimately and ultimately involved in your life. And we have the builder, the watchman, and the warrior. And so we're going to tackle those, take a look at each one, and, and how God wants to and why God wants to be intimately and ultimately involved um, in your life in this way. Um, the first person or first hat or um, uh, however you look at it uh, is the builder. And of course, God uses the name builder specifically. He pulls out that trade probably just for myself um, because I need to be called out directly because I don't do well with beating around the bush or, you know, kind of like or around these parts, you know, you have to be very direct with me. And so he calls out the builder as somebody that needs to put God in his life and in, uh, in, in his rightful place, because I am a builder. I um, am a carpenter. I'm wearing my favorite shirt this morning. I actually washed it last night just so I could wear it this morning. Um, and it says, yes, I'm a carpenter. And I, am, I did talk to myself Okay, uh, because sometimes when I work, I need expert advice. So um, it is very true. We had we had several several builders uh, in this uh, in the first service, and so they can relate with myself that you know a builder is uh, somebody who needs to have a purpose and a plan. So let's look at the builder here. Um, Unless the Lord builds the house, okay, those who labor in it do it in vain. And then we can see the other parallel thought with the watchman. And unless the watchman, or unless God does the watching, the watchman also labors or stays awake in vain. And so both of these uh, trades or people, or in a lot of in a lot of ways, just portions of our life, okay, are 
need to have God in our life. The builder is a person that is creating, is making something, is doing with his hands. Uh, and, and that's each one of us in some way, shape, or form in our life. We are creating, we're building, we're making things in our life. We're doing a job. We're um, helping our family, building our family, building a house Maybe not physically, but you are doing those things in your life. And unless God is involved in it, unless he is the builder, what you are doing is laboring in vain. You need to have a, purpose, a specific purpose and a plan. As a builder um, and remodeler, I really enjoy doing projects that maybe even transform or help somebody in their life. We've done, I've done several projects in the past where you know, we've um, helped out somebody in a, in a life situation where they maybe needed uh, a, a, a suite on the same floor. They couldn't go upstairs anymore. And so we remodel the house so that it works for them. And those uh, are so rewarding. Those projects are so rewarding. They come, come to the end. They had a purpose. They had a plan, we did it, we executed it, and, and, and it went awesome. The projects that are not so fun to build on or to work on are those where you just walk in and you're just like, let's just do this, and let's just make this look cool. They require some sort of plan or measurement or purpose or something, right? And, and a lot of times, uh, that's just chaos, you know, when you're going in there and you're just doing whatever. And in the industry, we just say, I just like to nail stuff to stuff. That's what I do. That's just, it simplifies, but it doesn't necessarily make for a finished and great and perfect and amazing, pro, uh, you know, end goal. You know, if you drive by my house, you can go and look and see. Um, out in the front yard, my boys have made a something in the tree. Um, and, you know, They've, they wanted to get up in the tree, so what do they do? They nail a board and then go up until they need another one and nail another board. It's, and you step back and you're like, that doesn't look very organized, but they did it you know, so that they could get up into the tree. And so there's just boards nailed here, screwed there, whatever, on up to where they were going. It didn't have necessarily a plan or purpose to begin with. You can very well clearly see that. Although... <laughs> Although it keeps them busy and out of some trouble, as long as they don't fall out, nobody's fallen out yet, so it's all, it's all good. And then you also think about the, um, every project in remodeling kind of starts the same way as well. We walk into a house and we talk with a client, and I'm not going to, hopefully I'm not offending anybody out there. I'm just, just using this as an example, just it's fun, okay? Uh, you walk into a house and you're talking with them on what they want to do with their project and they want everything. They, don't, they want everything done, right? Perfect, everything, everything like you see on the TV, you know, all the, all the cab, you know, everything done. But then, you know, you've got a, a giant chasm of a budget, right? So no walls in the whole house and, and, and all, everything perfect and everything beautiful and everything brand new. But the budget is an extreme chasm. And then also sometimes like reality is also a, a chasm, right? Like we, unfortunately, some of the f laws of physics 
bind us to maybe not put a board that spans so far that it breaks. Or, you know, maybe we need something here to prop up something up there or um, things like that. We appear to be magicians, but not always are we able to accomplish that. And so we, that's how usually the first visit works. And then also there's also the chasm of the time frame, right? Because they, they talk to you and you slowly start to find out that they think that this is going to be done in 25 minutes like it is on the TV, right? <laughs> but they, you have to have a purpose and a plan when you go to build or it's just, it's just nailing stuff to stuff and it's just chaos and it doesn't work and stuff falls apart because it wasn't built right or correctly or thought through all the way. And that's the same way with the builder. God says, unless the Lord is the one that builds, the builder is laboring in vain. The watchman is the next person that we come to or part of your life. Okay, the watchman, the watchman is watching over the city, looking and watching and uh, ready to warn the city of enemies that are approaching. And this is the person that is sustaining life, keeping life going, planning. That's all of us in some way, shape, or form in our life. We're, we all have things that we need to keep in order, things that need to be done, right? Bills that need to be paid or uh, cupboards that need to be filled with groceries um, or dishes or whatever. We are all in the work of a watchman sustaining life, looking out maybe for some pitfalls you know, that we can see in the future, um, maybe some enemies that are approaching. We all do this act of watchmen, but if we do, if the Lord is not the one in it, the watchman also stays awake in vain. It's in vain. I do, I do, I love planning. Um, that is kind of, I, I love to keep things in order. That's what I do for my job. I like to have a goal and, and, and then steps to get to that goal. And I am like this watchman. I love to plan and think ahead and, and map things out and preserve um, what's going on and sustain. Well, um, I do that for a living and at work every single day that doesn't necessarily translate to how I like to vacation, right? Because I do it every day. That's not how I want to do vacation. So, like, I, I do not enjoy a vacation where everything is planned out, mapped out, and if you don't go and do this thing or that thing at this place, you'll feel guilty for the rest of your life kind of thing, you know? That's just not how I am. I would rather just do the camping thing or, you know, go out and just hang out and do things on, on the spur of the moment. That's why my wife and I, we went to Washington, D.C. for our honeymoon because you can just get out of the hotel and walk outside and go see stuff. You can, you know, you don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time. That's kind of like how I like to vacation. But the watchman says that if the Lord is not in the watchman or watching over the city, the watchman is doing his job. He's staying awake in vain. Both the builder 
and the watchman's labor is in vain unless the Lord is in it. The Lord wants to be ultimately and intimately in control. Um, So if we ignore him, whether we're building, whether we're making, whether we're creating, or we're just sustaining in our life, those portions are doing uh, toiling in vain. Look at at verse 2. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early, that's the builder, and go to rest late, that's the watchman, eating the bread of anxious toil. For the Lord gives, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Eating the bread of anxious toil, that's an awesome word picture, that they are trying to receive their sustenance or their, or their, uh, sustaining life by eating this bread of anxiety and toiling. Eating the bread of anxious toil is the idea of finding your worth in what you're doing as opposed to who you are doing it for. God does not want us to labor and to toil and to find satisfaction in what we do and what we're working. What Even if we're watching or we're building, whether we're preserving, sustaining, or we're, or we're making, creating, God doesn't want us to find our satisfaction in that. He wants us to find our satisfaction in Him and His Son. Look, He says that He gives to His beloved rest. He doesn't want to be intimately and ultimately involved because He's some sort of tyrant leader He wants to be intimately and ultimately involved and in charge and in control of what you're doing in your life because he loves you and he wants to give you rest. He wants to give you the relief from that working that does not produce eternal rewards. He wants us to look to Jesus Christ and what Christ has done on the cross for our eternal rewards. We move on to the next person or part of our life, and that's the warrior. Let's look at that. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's use. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gates. Just think about that for a second. Children are a reward, right? Always perfect, always great. They are just a joy in our lives every single moment of every single day, right? Just a reward. The Bible says it, it must be true. A reward, a heritage. That is probably why my mom always used the phrase with me when I was growing up, I hope you have children just like you, right? I'm sure that's exactly what she had in mind. It wasn't anything to do with the bad behavior that I had. Eventually, she stopped using that phrase, she told me years later, because she was very concerned that I would have children just like me. She didn't want that to happen. So that makes sense now. But the, um, the, the picture that you can see in this passage right here is that children are the arrows of a warrior. They are what define or 
make the warrior who he is, right? Doesn't necessarily always matter if it's your children or, the, or just the children you are around, right? They shape and change you into somebody different, if you will let them, right? Because they ask awesome questions, right? Amazing questions all the time. Children, ask great questions, and it sharpens you, doesn't it? Like, it makes you a warrior. It, you know, the, the, a guy just walking down the street is just a guy walking down the street. But a guy walking down the street with arrows attached to his back or a sword in his hand, he is a warrior. And that's kind of the idea. Like, you are not a warrior unless you've allowed your children to become weapons in your life to sharpen or to define you as a warrior. Let me show you what, what kind of what I mean by that. Uh, my wife and I, when we first had our first child, Hannah, she was, we have five children, but we have this thing called a full quiver or whatever it is here in the scriptures. Um, we have one on the way, so it obviously isn't 100% full, but it is very close. Um, <laughs> so we had Hannah. She was uh, our first, and she was an amazing uh, child, like every first child is. Super smart, right? Because she got to spend all this time with mom and dad, talking mom and dad talk, um, those kind of things. And so we, of course, thought she was a genius, right, as a child, and, and super well-behaved. Um, awesome kid, right? And she moved from, when she turned one, she moved from the crib into um, the, her big girl bed, her, um, her toddler bed, right? And it didn't have sides on it or anything like that, right? But you'd put, we put her to bed, said goodnight, we'll see you in the morning, whatever, love you, those kind of things. And we would leave and walk out and we'd go to bed ourselves or whatever. And, and then when she woke up in the morning, she wouldn't even get out of the bed. Of course, now I just told you that she was a genius. Now she's not looking, so no. But she was very, you know, good. And, and obedient and things like that. And she would sit on her bed and then she would call for mom in the morning, even though she could just kind of step off the bed and get off on her own, right? But she wouldn't. She would call for mom. Mom would have to come in and I, I don't know. I don't even know if she like grabbed her hand or something to help her down. I mean, the thing is like six inches from the bed. She just had to turn sideways and step down. But she, um, that's how our bedtime routine went when she was one. When she was two, two and a half, going on three or whatever, bedtime routine started to change, right? You, I would, we would start, we'd say goodnight, love you, see you tomorrow, stay in your bed. Do you understand what's going to happen if you get out of your bed? Yes, yes, Dad, I understand what's going to happen if I get out of bed. Okay. So good night, lay down, go to sleep, do not get out of your bed, turn to walk away, and she's almost right behind you as you're walking out the door. Obviously, you know, we as parents are, are thinking through how do we change this or make this different, right? And so we're coming up with a discipline and a 
and a punishment plan, and we're trying to be really consistent with that. And we're, you know, and so we we're very clear as to what the punishment is. You get spankings if you get out of your bed. You need to stay in bed. Then one weekend, we're up at my parents' house, and we do the same thing. We go upstairs, we put her in her bed, and say, "Stay in your bed." You understand? Yes, I understand what's going to happen if I get out of bed. Okay, we're clear. Okay, good night. Love you. Go downstairs. She comes down the stairs, walks in the room where my wife and I are sitting, and she says, Dad, can I have spankings? It was very clear from that moment that she was going to sharpen or change how we did what we did in our house, right? Like, that is, that was pretty shocking to us. <laughs> like, wow, okay. And it's not because she loved pain or anything like that. It was just that she did not have her heart changed. And so that from that moment, we realized as parents, we need to look at trying to get to the heart of changing our children as opposed to just changing their behavior through reward and discipline those kind of things, but it was, it was a sharpening moment. It was a moment of changing from just a normal dude to being a warrior. You see that? They sh she shaped how we w lived and how we talked and how we did things in our home. The, war the, the children really do shape us as warriors. They stand behind us also. When we talk to our enemies at the gate, no, not, your, not like your next door neighbor. The enemies, the real enemies, the ones that want to kill you, that want to uh, take over. But the children will not allow you to be disappointed or be put to shame when you speak with your enemies at the gates because they've shaped you and you've allowed God, right? Allowed God to shape you into a warrior by using your children. And it's as if they're standing behind you looking while you're talking with your enemies. And they and he knows that, he knows, right? The enemy is Satan. He knows that you've been, in, you've been changed. You've allowed God to shape your life into being a warrior, using your children on a regular basis to instruct you and, and mold you asking crazy, awesome questions, and you searching the Word of God for those answers. So as we look to close this morning, God's given us awesome examples, great examples of a builder, of a watchman, and of a warrior, all of which, if God is not in it, and ultimately and intimately involved, these things are done in vain and you will be and done in vain for the first two and put to shame for the last one. The warrior would be put to shame. So God wants to be ultimately and intimately in control. Again, not because he's a tyrant leader and wants to just be in control for the sake of being in control. But he, because of his deep love for us for he gives to his beloved rest are we today just 
eating that bread of anxious toil as we go about building and as we go about making and creating and going about our life doing things or sustaining, preserving, planning for our family, those kind of things. Are we going about those things, finding worth in just those things and just doing it in vain and eating that bread of anxiety and finding sustenance in that? Or are we looking to Christ and what He did on the cross? See, none of those works that we do in this life just like are, are not eternal. They don't last forever. But Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross does. And God wants you to, to, to work hard, but to be in control of it, to be intimately involved in it, so that He can provide you that rest, that satisfaction in Him to say, you don't need to, you can't, you can't work your way to me and to a right relationship with me. You need Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That should give you a relief when it comes to the things of life and not staying up late like the watchman that does it in vain and just eating that bread of anxiety. God wants to give us a purpose and a plan. He wants to be intimately and ultimately involved. Is this, uh, is this you today? Certainly me. Need to find rest in Jesus. He offered us a purpose in life, forgiveness of past wrongs, and a right relationship with the one who is in ultimate control. The toiling of this life has no eternal purpose if God is not in it. He wants us to be, wants to be intimately and ultimately involved the decisions that you're making, creating. He wants to be Relieve that burden of anxiety, of looking to the future of which we have no control. But he wants to give us rest and a purpose. And then how are you doing with children today? Are they a burden? Are they a burden? Are they a reward? Are you most pleased with your life when they finally go to bed for the evening? Or are you ready to let them turn you into a warrior and let them sharpen you and allow God to really change you and answer those questions that they ask as children from the Word of God and be molded into a warrior that is proud and valiant? Um, we have an, an awesome opportunity as well coming up in a couple weeks with the kickoff of Kids for Truth, to get involved in kids, being around kids, answering questions from the Word, teaching and instructing, and trying to be molded and changed into a great, awesome warrior, right, with, with, um, with these children. Meeting them, talking with them, answering those questions from the Word, it's going to be awesome. Just pray this morning that, that we do that and that we are awake to what God is trying to do in our lives and we're not just doing things to do things, nailing stuff to stuff, right? And just going about our day and working hard and coming home late and, and eating that bread of anxious toil 
And then also when it comes to children, just being uh, willing to, to change how you think and how you, uh, how you act based on the Word of God and what God is trying to do with those children in your life. Let's pray. Thanks, God, so much for these awesome examples of, um, of people, the builder, uh, the watchman, and the warrior that you have given us in this psalm to just um, help encourage us to look to you, to put you in your right place, to, to trust you, to trust Jesus Christ and what he has done and offer us that relief from the anxious toil of this life. God, I pray that we would not be in, that, in those shoes. And I pray also that we would look to the kids that were around our own children, the children here at LWF, um, look to them um, as rewards, as things that are there put in place by you to change us, to mold us into the image of your Son, and that we would use those opportunities um, uh, for your glory. In your name I pray.